0: G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, And today I'm excited to bring you the first episode in a new series that I'm calling Inside Story, where I'm going to chat to investors and take you into their journeys. We're going to speak to starting out investors, more experienced investors, and I'm sure there's a lot that we can learn from Everyone, regardless of their experience level. And today we're interviewing uh, Cameron. He's a client of ours. We've worked together for 10 or 11 years. Uh, he's done two different property developments over that time, uh, holding on to what he creates and learning a hell of a lot along the way. So it's going to be a really interesting. Uh, two-part episode. We ended up speaking for a, a long time, so um, looking forward to taking you into this first part. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Marne. Hey Cam, welcome to Perth Property Insider. Great to have a chat today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jared. Really glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So give us a bit of background on what you do for a living and what is uh, family life for you, just so we uh, can paint a picture of where you're at in your life.
1: Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a geologist working here in, in Perth and WA. I've been working in the mining and, and exploration industries for the last 15 years. Um, I was born in Perth and grew up here. I've also got a finance background. I worked in finance for for a few years. Yeah, I've uh, I've also got four children, and along with the work, that that certainly keeps me busy and out of trouble. Yeah, we were just discussing how that uh,
0: fills up your weekends, uh, and yeah, it's pretty amazing that you've been able to you know make property a priority alongside uh, the family life, isn't it?
1: Yeah, totally. I guess the two have kind of run in, in parallel somewhat, but I'm because I'm, I'm kind of getting to that age where I'm I'm looking to build towards retirement. Um, but yeah, you got to balance that up with having family, moving towards a single income, these sorts of things.
0: Yeah. So how did you originally come across uh, the idea of property investing?
1: Uh, I guess uh, for me, it's it's something that's grown over time. You know, there's the the classic I read, uh, uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad" by Robert Kiyosaki when I was sort of uh, in my late teens, I think. And that kind of tuned me in towards the idea of, of building wealth, I suppose. It probably was the first time I, I thought about it. Not a lot was acted on, like at that point, to be honest. I, um, I went to university and that, and that sort of thing. But I went overseas in, in 2001. And um, when I came back, the mining boom had been in, in full effect. And I saw the, the impact of property prices. And I saw some people who had a number of properties before that who did very well out of that. I guess that really sort of piqued my interest and yeah just the idea i suppose of being able to have a levered investment uh, minimize tax and use that as one vehicle to build wealth really was some of the reasons why well i read Robert kiyosaki's rich dad poor dad when i was 16
0: too and a family friend gave it to me and yeah it's i think it's uh, opened the the eyes of a lot of uh investors that don't know how you're going to get into it or what path you're going to take and it's um it's great that you uh saw firsthand what was happening in that property cycle and then started to think, Oh, how do I
1: get involved, I guess? Yeah, that's right. It just the problem biggest problem for me was getting involved because it just felt like it overvalued and it was going up, but it, it didn't peek out on that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> just stand on the sidelines and watch for a while. And
0: how have you sort of learned about investing so far? Because it can be pretty daunting when you're starting out, can't it?
1: Yeah, totally. I think I think it is. It's been pretty. I suppose it's really probably been pretty haphazard for me in a lot of ways. Like uh, I guess I've watched things in the media and the press, and initially, and and done things like gone and and seen seminars and and listened to various sprukers and and the wares that that they were the peddling. But that kind of tuned me into some of the ideas around Binance and I didn't ever go down any of those any of those roads. So I guess then it really was.
0: You might be lucky you didn't. <laughs> some of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was I was pretty conservative for a long time and I think that maybe helped in some ways and hindered in others. But um yeah, so when I wanted to really get into it I started researching really and a lot of information that we found was online through forums and and the like and then as we got into it more I guess we started employing some of the uses of some experts here and there to help that as well. I guess more recently I've started getting into the podcast side of things actually after I've got to thank you for that Jared cuz that's after that. <laughs> Listening to your <laughs> podcast, I've sort of now listened to a couple of others as well. So I find that's a really, that's a fantastic way to keep up to date with um, with what's going on. So yeah, it's a range of ways really.
0: So no parents sort of being interested or were they? did they invest in, and
1: teach you about money at all or how would you describe that upbringing? Yeah, that's an interesting one. My mother and my father were both doctors. They were pretty career focused. My mum went through... That definitely has some impact on it. My dad never really paid much attention to where his money went. To be honest, he was really focused on his career.
0: Most people seem to be when they love their job and put it, throw everything into it. It doesn't leave much often to time or headspace to think about investing. And people can be amazing at creating money, but they're not making use of it. So it's pretty totally to see.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, And then my mother, she really tried to be more active with Investing her money in the right places, and she followed the advice of a lot of people, um, financial planners and things. And there was really some very different results. Some of it, you know, sort of probably really underperformed. And if she'd put money into something like property, I think she would have done a lot better in the in the long run. But she still did okay. And, and I guess I watched and witnessed that. We didn't really talk about property investment a lot or at all. I wouldn't say it wasn't mm. a topic. My parents talked more about things like going to university, getting an education, uh, that sort of thing, being being a priority. But then later on. My father and my mother separated when I was quite young and, and my father and my, um, my stepmother were together and, and they actually, well, my stepmother was much more active and she was, she was interested in property. And eventually she sort of helped my brother and I into our first properties uh, through, through property development.
0: So um, how did you originally start thinking about getting into things? Um, I believe you took the path of rent-vesting, didn't mm-hmm. you, where you, you, know, you rent first and invest at the same time and and uh, put your money into creating wealth so how did that start out for you
1: yeah well i mean this um we had this opportunity to do a development um, my stepmom actually proposed it i didn't really know anything about property development per se uh, and i didn't know what rent vesting was i didn't hear about that label for a long time after. yeah i think
0: that's a pretty new
1: label isn't it <laughs> totally but um I'd, I'd come back from the uk and, and i went back to university to study geology so I spent all my um, life savings on getting through uni uh, and I was just starting back out again and I was really wanting to get into the property market. I'd seen what had happened between 2000 and 2007, but I didn't have a lot behind me. And that was when my stepmom came in and made a proposal to do this little development in Nolamara. So um, rent-vesting, I guess looking at rent-vesting, it's served a purpose. It's definitely not a forever strategy it's helped us to um build i guess an investment portfolio over the last sort of whatever 12 years or something that is now maybe th- 13th year now uh, so we've managed to you know, get three properties together you know in a fairly flat market and you know we wouldn't have been able to do these developments and make some of these decisions if we had bought our own property and and um we'd probably be in the position where We'd have one property. We may be looking to start a property portfolio and investment property portfolio now. So it served a purpose, but it hasn't been easy. <laughs> I think you did something similar for a while, didn't you, Jared?
0: Yeah, we definitely. Uh, I I didn't know. I just prioritized investing when I was still living at home, and uh, then I moved out eventually. And once you move out of home, you can't kind of have to move back. But <laughs> when I started the business, I had to move back again because I was cash poor. <laughs> yeah. Parents had given away my bedroom at that time, too. So I was a bit pretty humble sleeping on the lounge room floor. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I prioritised business and investing at various yeah. points to get ahead. And it's kind of, uh, it's good because when you do make the decision to buy the home, we uh, were able to kind of take a bit of a, uh, a jump ahead of what home we might have otherwise had if we'd taken the other route of buying a more conservative home and upgrading mm-hmm. your homes and not, not investing and having that equity to help. So
1: Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I guess it's, uh, there's no one way to do things, is there? But no. we did the same We prioritised it. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of inconveniences. We've moved houses a lot of times. I guess that's hard
0: when you've got a young, younger family and you're renting, you just don't have that stability. And at some point, it starts to become
1: a, a real priority to
0: create that home environment that's mm-hmm. stable. And know where the kids are going to school and whatnot.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, we're definitely at that point now, I think, in our lives. So, that's that's what the future probably looks like for us. But, you know, rent investing has served a purpose, um, yeah, but it hasn't been necessarily an easy path. I guess mm. we were working on the premise that if we could get together more properties, um, we could do some development to add value, that that growth profile over time would accelerate and um, we'd be in a better position with tax management and all the rest of it than we would be if we just sat in our own property when we first started this though, we didn't have any children and now we've got four, so <laughs> things have changed yeah. over time.
0: <laughs> Priorities change all right. And look, we have to take it um in in mind that we've been in a very flat market over that entire time almost. And if you hadn't used adding value strategies, you know, you'd probably be on par with what you'd bought stuff at because things took a bit of a dive in two thousand you know, seventeen to 2020 and we've had other little dips in between other little um peaks in between as well but sort of almost all evened out to 2018-19 and um you'd probably be on par but you're it's good to see that you're ahead and you know you've also learned a lot too about how to create value so let's go into a bit of that shall we um i think people can um learn a lot from from your experiences Sure. So uh, tell us about that first um, purchase in Nolamara. How did that come about
1: and how did it all go? Yeah, so that was my parents and, and, and largely my stepmother was, um, were really trying to give us a leg up and help us into the, the, the property market. It was, a, it was a family project. So, yeah, my parents, and my brother and I, and we were all going to, parents were going to have one unit, my brother the second, and, and I was going to have the third. So at that point I had, this was in 2000, 2008, I think the purchase was 2007 actually like 2007 yeah, okay uh, so yeah i had like little or um no knowledge of property development i knew i was interested in property yeah i was probably at the very early stages of having much of an understanding other than i'd seen a really big boom cycle come up and i'd read a few things and saw that you could make money in property you know you get a levered sort of way of increasing equity and things so increasing value so yeah that's that was about it for me really so i was pretty blind my stepmother was more savvy which was which was good and so she brought this she built i uh, bought this property in nolamara she bought it for for to take us through some of the numbers but it's, yeah 480k um that was like 2007 construction was about 400k stamp duty 17 and what that ended up at was that we could all have a unit for roughly around 300k plus finishings um, I used the first 21k of first home uh, owner's grant at the time to to do the finishings, but like they put in all the all the equity and stuff required to buy the initial property and do the finance, and we just paid at the end. So it was it was a no brainer to me at the time to go in and do something like that, and that really gave us a leg into the property market. I just had to put down a a, a modest deposit, yeah, and it was a it was a pretty good result at the time. So triplex in in Northamara, but they became very popular.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was across from the
1: park there and um,
0: in a pretty good little location.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's a nice little part of Nolamara, just yeah, against, against the park there. That's uh, probably probably one of the better parts. So it was well mm. w- well bought in that regard. Um, and what yeah, was the and, final value?
0: I think it was around June 2009 when you finished. Um, yeah, so it was like three,
1: 380000 like yeah. anticipated valuation at, at that time. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it was a tidy... Tidy little um, bit of equity made straight away on, on that property.
0: Yeah, so I guess um, First Home Buyers Grant certainly helped and put some, some gains in there for you as well. But in addition to that 21000 that the government, no, that was a smart way to, to do it too because you got the best of both worlds of the grant and investing. And you, uh, I, I imagine you probably moved in for a, a bit or showed that you were occupying for a bit, at least six months in there.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So that's exactly what, what I did. Stayed in there for six months. Um, didn't spend much time in there to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but held it. Yeah, for the six month period. And I guess like yeah, the profit. Um, if you look at all the cost, it's like fifty nine k. But if you take that twenty one k into consideration, it's sort of like an eighty k profit on that three hundred thousand outlay. Yeah. So yeah, around the twenty percent sort of mark you are talking about. So
0: that was very helpful. That was very good considering the the market climate at the time as well. So. We started going into our GFC in um, 2008, 2009. So mm. it probably would have been uh, higher if the market had continued to go up too. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good gain built, built in. And we just checked the current market value um, the other day and it's at 425 or close to now between 420 and 430. So um, that's come up a bit on the 380 uh, since 2009. You'd like to see that it had doubled as if you had your. Had your property in Sydney or Melbourne. We'll
1: <laughs> <did> get there. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the profile of our market and it dropped back down again, obviously, before coming back up now, I'd say. So yeah. it is what it is in terms of our yeah, markets.
0: And how's the holding cost on it been? Um how's the rent sort of fared compared to interest? Uh
1: it's a good question. Uh, I it's, it's I find it hard to separate out when I've got the other properties as well yeah, these days. Okay. Um well, I, I guess the
0: current about, rent's three ninety odd per week and Yeah. That's a 6.7% yield on your original total cost in. So pretty decent when you look at the the yield compared to what you could get if you just went and bought a comparable property without adding the value in. So
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think that's the other problem with refinancing over time. It changes sort of the finance costs and profile of it. But it's always been done pretty well for me as in mm-hmm. general, you know, it's got a decent yield. I think it costs about five or six grand in costs per year plus mortgage repayment. So it, yeah, it definitely does pretty well it's probably less when you attribute the actual money to that property and
0: probably refinance money out to do your, your next one which we'll get to in a minute <laughs> but i guess all, <laughs> exactly all right. but very minimal cash in um i think you said here your deposits was fifteen thousand. you utilized the first time owner's grant to, and you added value through um through building and subdivision and it was probably a big learning experience too so what were some of the learnings on that one and what you might do differently?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess um with that one, because I I didn't do a lot of the active looking for the initial property and stuff, I probably missed out on on some of the learnings there. I mean, like it's done really well, so there's no way I can complain about it. I think it's a, a good little property. It was perfect for for the first one. Um, and thank you very much to my parents for like giving me a leg in there, really, because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to to do that and I wouldn't have probably ended up with something that would have paid off so well. But I think probably there's one thing I'd say that I've learned from that particular area is there's, a load of, there's so much similar rental stock around that Nolamara area. Triplexes were just huge um, around that time and afterwards. So that does seem to have an impact on the market. Definitely when vacancy rates climb, you know, it's very easy for people to, uh, to have a look around and say, you know, this is what the rent should be, this is what the rent should be, and mm. you can get knocked down very quickly. I guess at the same time, it helps you bring it up as well. Um, And I think that may have affected prices a little bit too, uh, possibly with the change in lending requirements. I don't know if investors were selling out or whatever, but definitely the property lost some value for a little while there, at least in terms of bank valuations, uh, compared to the other property in North Perth.
0: It definitely is a bit more uh, higher percentage of investors in Malamara, And when the tide goes out, many of them decide to uh, are either caught naked and and have to stop swimming or they um, end up uh, just not driving the market for a period of time. And and there was a, a massive building boom through there. I mean, you only have to drive around the streets to see how much Nolomara's has changed. So on one hand, it's transformed a lot from a lot of those old derelict uh, houses. And, you know, but uh, there is a lot of competition. As you say, when we go to rent the place, um, fine for this market, you know, you can put a photo of the letterbox on the, online and have, you know, 20 applications probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when the market's down, it, it really shows uh, how easy something is to rent or hard compared to how much others are on. So yeah, good one. Now tell us about this next purchase uh, in North Perth that you've alluded to. How's that all going, gone so far and when did you get into that?
1: Yeah, so North Perth, we um, purchased in late 2016. Um, it's a completely different kettle of fish, I guess, compared to the other properties. So many learnings. I guess we uh, we were waiting for an opportunity to get into the market and then when it looked like Perth had peaked, you know, 2014 and maybe a little bit beyond, it looked like that might be an opportunity and we started really trying to actively go after another property. Uh, we did a, bit of, a fair bit of research. My partner particularly, she's good at research, so she'd done a lot of research and we sort of came across the idea of, uh, again, you're doing a development to, to add value. Um, there's a lot of infill going on through Perth currently and there was then and there was an opportunity there where city of vincent was releasing the new town planning scheme and this property popped into that search so it was it was up for um it was up for a new um, rezoning so yeah we got in there we tried for a few properties before it had taken about a year i guess uh to snag this one there was some that had gone by and we'd just been beaten to it by just like you you've talked you've talked about recently you were saying how missing out due to um conditions and Hmm. things on (laughs) on financing and and, uh contracts so yeah we had that happen to us a bit and we just went in hard at this one we thought it was um a good opportunity uh so yeah it's um it's been a journey we did get some help We, we used to do a bit of research on a particular forum that had a lot of people who were uh, different people on that forum, but some people who do, do a lot of development and other things and uh, provide advice and ideas and you can follow the threads and things. So we did get some um, assistance from from someone there in terms of uh, site finding. Yeah, so we did that. Uh, we finally got the property and then we waited two years for the rezoning to go through. It was like imminent, you know, but it took yeah, two years. Yeah. yeah.
0: Even and when the councils say it's uh, within, <laughs> even when they give a time frame, it can blow out. A lot, can't it? As you've experienced and yeah. Especially no, when sitting there. bureaucracy and and uh, the residents getting <laughs> get entwined.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm sitting there watching the the planning ministers, you know, releases and things. <laughs> Just waiting. <laughs> to, yeah. Exactly. Uh and in the meantime, we were we were, we were designing, we we're gonna do two townhouses uh on the back, very small. It was going up to like an RC eighty zoning. And so these things were gonna be tiny, like on hundred square meters each sort of thing I'm talking about. And we got, a, we got a plan together and a design together to do that. Then the rezoning came through and we started going and interacting more with council and there was some some issues around what we could do at the back. Um, it re- required reconfiguration of the front house. Yeah, it was to do with where the driveway was going to sit. I thought it was to do
0: with parking and access, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there was a ruling that is applied by some councils and not others where, the, where you can put your Driveway it's like six meters from the uh, the tangent to the curb line, as opposed to um, the corner like intersection itself. So, uh, at, you know, this, this this particular curb line comes around like a hairpin for a long way. So we <laughs> thought we put the put the driveway in no worries, and they pulled up. But it's an Australian regulation, but some councils apply and others don't. And they did anyway. Should, long story short, meant we would have had to reconfigure the front house. Estimated something like eighty thousand. You lost the laundry bathroom and probably went down to a two bedroom. Um, so we still kind of continued to look at that for a bit, but then the next, I guess the next thing came in was uh, the issues around trying to finance. So there was the um, Royal Commission, Bank of Royal Commission, and I started getting pretty nervous. We were going for a survey strata subdivision, so we would have had two blocks on the back and they would have been, you know, needed to be developed together, I would assume, pretty much on a survey strata yeah. and then build. So I got worried about not being able to get out of, um, you know, not being able to sell them if we needed to. For some reason, things were looking pretty sketchy around 2017. Well, what, this is probably 2018, 2019 even actually. Uh, so, yeah, still things weren't really looking up yet. And were you hoping to build on them yourself still
0: at that point? And that was your your backup plan B of are you, are you going to be able to sell these things or were you planning to sell sell them from the start what was your thoughts? yeah that's
1: okay so yeah that was definitely a backup plan it was always really uh for holding them retaining them for investment purposes if possible mm. that's kind of our strategy uh, we wanted to divide and retain so we had a, an existing house that would pay some of the bills while we were doing everything um and we wanted to develop the back but i just with the way things were going with financing i could just see us getting stuck and then holding these two properties and not being able to go anywhere so that was the point where we decided to revert back to just putting one on the back and redesign, um, so you know times just is, is uh, moving over this period where we've waited two years to rezone. Um, we've done the design work, engaged with council, and then we've had to go back and redesign uh, with, the Royal, with the Royal Commission, then go in and then we, then I did the subdivision phase. that took probably like at least 10 months, I think it took me. So you created that block first, didn't you? and Yeah so we went for Bravo. the survey strata yep so to create that block so the, the strategy was to survey strata create the block uh, release the equity use that for the construction phase Makes yeah sense. so that is ultimately what we did uh and it was looking pretty sketchy at times because i was just sitting there watching north perth house prices like mm-hmm. is it going to drop you know are we going to lose what we create in terms of the subdivision and we're going to get stuck holding this thing and not be able to develop it anyway but um we've managed to to get it through uh it's definitely been been a lot of ups and downs and lots of issues along the way Had to yeah you know, get people involved to sort of help me out we got some some experts in subdivision just to help me do the subdivision but that was just really helping me plan it out my excel spreadsheet sort of style i did it all myself in the end but um it's not a simple process <laughs> <laughs> there's a, i discovered there's a lot to it um so yeah we had a lot of like dead ends and ups and downs and issues that we got around and uh Eventually, we then got the house design and a building contract signed literally on New Year's Eve, um, right before the deadline cut off for the for the twenty thousand dollar grant. So we had an architect design it, and yeah, we just got that contract through. So that was uh, it was it's all been pretty um, sort of by the seat of our pants at times, I guess. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> a good you, learning, learning journey.
0: But you got to build before the while the grant still applied, and uh, that obviously you've been in a more exciting phase of seeing something come up out of the ground and i've seen some of your photos which all looks very uh stylish and architecturally designed which is which i think is going to be very popular with the market both for rent and whenever you decided that you might want to sell keep it for as long as you can (laughs) well cam it should come as no surprise that we've gotten carried away today already and we're gonna have to split this up into 2 parts, so Make sure you join us, listeners, for part two, where we'll be deep diving into Cam's North Perth development, taking you through the numbers, his learning lessons and other experiences so far. Very interesting to see how that's uh, working out. And we'll go into uh, some of his uh, key people that he's had along the whole journey, as well as um, how he's relied upon them and built his team. And we'll get Cam's view on what he sees for the year ahead in Perth and his plans for the future. So come back for part two and we'll get stuck into it.